You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Golic and Smitty. I'm Mike Golic. I'm Jessica Smetana. Welcome to yet another edition of Golic and Smetty. I'm Mike Golic Sr. She is Jess Smetana. And Jess, boy, we've had a lot going on in the world of sports from the NFL draft, the NBA playoffs. We're getting a, one of the all-time matchups yet again in the postseason. Hockey playoffs have been incredible. Uh, another AC taking out a one seed, a one seed that had the best record, uh, regular season record of all time. And F1 is finally back after what seems about a three-year delay going on <laughs> to that. I know it's coming to Miami soon, but what what are... What, what were your, t- let, let's start with the draft because we haven't been able to talk yeah. about that. First, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Mike. I was uh, enjoying watching your and DraftKings NFL draft coverage last Thursday night. How, how did all of that go? That was a lot of fun. Um, uh, again, I love the DraftKings studios because they have snacks and drinks and such. So Ooh, uh, uh, I, I enjoy that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good snacks like the fig bars. Uh, you like the fig bars. I do like the fig bars. I am kind of a fig bar guy. Yeah, yeah. I saw those, and, and I don't know why, because I don't need to, but I ended up putting five of them in my backpack and took them. <laughs> I mean, is, it, is, is that like corporate stealing? Should I not no, do something no. like that? When I worked at Vox Media, I worked for SB Nation, which was like owned by Vox Media. They had such an extensive snack and drink kitchen that there would be times that I'd just take home like a loaf of bread. And I'm like, no one's going to miss this. I need this more than they do. So I think that that's totally normal and fine. You took home a loaf of bread? They had yeah, bread there? Yeah, I mean, they sometimes there'd be a loaf of bread and it'd be there for a few weeks. And I'm like, no one's eating this. I'm going to take this home. They had bread. They had like oatmeal. They had hard-boiled eggs, cheese, every flavor of LaCroix. It was like... You, you, I know you look stunned right now. It was wow. every type of snack food you could imagine. And yeah, I, I took all of it home with me. Well, I, I like the, the deal at DraftKings where you can do that because whenever I see the movie, what is it? Intern with uh, Vince Vaughn and never seen that it? one. Yeah. That's the one where they're at Google. Uh, oh, okay. they're, they're older oh guys I know which movie interns. you're talking about. And, and at Google, like the food was free and Vince Vaughn was like stunned. The food was free. He thought he had to pay for it. <laughs> That's kind of how I was at DraftKings. There was all those snacks. I was looking for like a register to say, oh, yeah. okay, I got to pay for this. And I didn't see one. I felt, I'm not going to lie, Jess, I felt naughty. I, I, I felt well, naughty like I was stealing product. You know, sometimes you work somewhere with a lot of food somewhere. Sometimes you work somewhere with no, Sports Illustrated had no snacks, nothing. We had like, they had maybe like a bowl of cereal for us. So, right. you know, it evens out over time. Sometimes you steal a lot. Sometimes, I, I don't call it stealing. Sometimes you eat a lot. Sometimes you don't. It'll, that's, it nice. So, out. that's nice that we can think of a different word other than stealing uh, for <laughs> what it is. Um, so, but it was, it was a great few days there doing shows before the draft. Then we were live uh, on the first round of the draft as well. So I, I guess overall now we're, we're, we're removed from the draft uh, for a few days. What were your overall thoughts of the draft, especially maybe of your team, Pittsburgh? Well, like I have a lot of thoughts on the Steelers draft. I thought overall the draft, to be honest, Mike, not the most compelling storyline draft of the last five years I thought like the last couple years I've been like okay like there's you know last year there's only one quarterback in the first round that's usually where you get all the storylines this year there are three quarterbacks that ended up getting drafted in the first round I thought other than Bryce Young like CJ Stroud and and Anthony Richardson both aren't guys who are going to start this year so that kind of you know 
maybe not they, they might play this year they might start this year I should say they might not be like fully complete ready to play quarterbacks week one this year um that kind of makes it a little bit less fun and then of course like the main storyline was where Will Levis was going to get drafted and right. him not getting picked until the second round and and that always makes me a little sad so I don't know it was a good tv show but it was certainly not um for me the most exciting draft but a lot of exciting things happen for different teams which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into. Do you feel bad for Will Levis having to sit? Because it reminiscent of, of a guy who graduated from our, yeah. our school in Notre Dame and Brady Quinn. When Brady yeah. Quinn sat there the entire round, actually got moved out of that room after a while. Because, you know, I, I love how people say, oh, the TV cameras kept showing him. Well, yeah, that's what you're going to do. If he's right. the only guy left and picks are going by and he's not being picked, you're going to show a shot of him. So anybody that wants to rip the TV networks for that, that's ridiculous. That's, no, that's kind I, of what you do. Well, he he knows that. I, I think there was so much um, movement with the with the lines in the sports book last week that maybe he didn't know exactly when he would get drafted. But I think right. anyone who gets who accepts the invitation to the draft knows something could happen on draft night. It's very unpredictable. You don't know for sure where you're going to get selected. So this is obviously a possibility. We've seen it happen to Lamar Jackson also. He sat there all night, finally got picked up at the very end of the draft, his uh, his draft year. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser, another quarterback that went to Notre Dame, he went to the draft and didn't get picked up until the second round, even though he was projected to go pretty high uh, in 2017, I believe, the 2017 draft, when he got picked up by the Browns in the second round. So it happens. I actually think that I do feel bad, but, I mean... Like on a scale of things I feel bad about, it's not like the thing I feel the worst about. I think that it adds to the stakes because if you know every guy that gets invited to the draft is going to get picked up in the first round, then like it just, you know, there has to be some sort of stakes to it, right? There has to be the expectation that this could happen or else it's not as cool or exciting to watch. Oh, listen, I I agree. And boy, how many many pictures went on on Twitter of his girlfriend? who just did not look happy at times. They took all the pictures where she didn't look happy. I, speaking of snacks, I want to know what the food situation is there because if you're sitting back there without yeah. really good options and, and an open bar, I would be pretty unhappy too. That is a long – that is the other thing I will say about the draft as a TV show. It is so freaking long, Mike. When I was sitting there at midnight watching Donna Kelsey and Dude Perfect do like the last 30-second pick or the 31st pick, I was like, am I hallucinating right now? I feel like this show has been on for five hours. Long, Jess. Long. Get drafted in the 10th round, and I'll let you know how long the draft is, okay? Long. I feel like you could do all 10 rounds in the amount of time it takes for them to do the first round. I mean, it is. It is yeah, it could, it could be very, very long. Again, as I said many times, I was drunk, sobered up, and drunk again before I got yeah. my call uh, by, by the Houston Oilers. Um, but, I, you know, I, I thought it interesting that I think it was Will Levis, Joey Porter Jr., and Brian Branch, all the guys mm-hmm. that were, I, I think that was it, that were, were. And Brian Branch is the only one that came back the next day. He came back to the green room. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish what I started. I'm going back. Yeah. And it didn't take long. He got drafted early in the second round. All those guys did. Got picked up yeah. early in the second round. But he said he wanted yeah. to go. I like, I've liked Brian Branch. I mean, not to say that that. I, I, I'm mad at those guys for not going back. Right. I don't care. It well, doesn't, you, doesn't affect me. You don't know what, like, the, the flight and travel accommodations right. are. Like, I, Stu Gatz was putting Will Levis on blast for not going back for day two. I'm like, you don't know, you know, yeah. what he had. 
there's a there's so much stuff going on. You really don't know someone's personal situation. Maybe his his girlfriend or his sister or someone had work the next day and yeah. <laughs> you know couldn't <laughs> stick around in Kansas City. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Joey Porter Jr. ended up maybe being the steal of the draft for the Steelers. I, do we should we talk about this and get it out of the way? I haven't been able to talk about the Steelers a lot in this offseason because you know they're they were not a playoff team last year. Almost were though. But I thought that they drafted phenomenally in this draft. And I'm wondering if that's my personal fandom bias or if that's something that non-Steelers fans also are saying today. It is, it is not your personal bias. I thought they had an excellent draft getting Broderick Jones uh, in the first round uh, with the 14th pick. You know, you need, that, that O-line struggled last year. You got to help yeah. out Kenny Pickett. So I get that. Getting Joey Porter uh, in the second round. He was ranked one of the higher cornerbacks. He's a guy, he's really, a, and it's very cool for those that don't know, his dad played for the Steelers. And, and coached for the Steelers. For the Steelers. And co- I mean, Famously and then, on the field during the 2015 wildcard game against the Bengals. Yeah, it, yeah it, it's a very, that. that's a cool story, and we'll get to the cool story in Dallas as well. But having Joey go, go there. Uh, then they got um, Keanu Benton, the D-tackle from Wisconsin. Darnell Washington that's an interesting one to me, yeah. the tight end from Georgia, because he's a big dude, like six, Huge. six, six, seven, monster guy, and he was playing behind um, Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers, who will will be the top tight end drafted last year, probably pretty high. He'll yeah. be a, a soft, a, a true junior next year, so he'll be draft eligible, and he'll be gone. He was a he was a stud the moment he stepped feel, a foot on the field as a true freshman in their first game against Clemson. Well, Darnell Washington was the second tight end. He would block a little more, didn't get a lot of opportunities to catch balls, but went in at the combine. And again, you know me, I'm not a big lover of the combine, but teams got to see him a little more because they didn't get to see him a ton playing to mm-hmm. make them go back and look at more film of him. So he was drafted a lot on potential of his size. He can block, he can run patterns, he's a tall target. So I think that was a very, very intriguing and good pick. Uh, for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I think they had a really good draft. So Darnell Washington is a player who every time I watched Georgia games last year, I would see him and be like, who is no, who is number zero on the Bulldogs? That guy is huge and never expected that the Steelers would draft him because the Steelers drafted Pat Fryermuth right. uh, just two two drafts ago in the second round, and he's kind of their starting tight end right now. But you're right, he's a blocking tight end. He's going to hopefully open up gaps for Najee Harris. I think the Steelers added a lot to their offensive line. Um, they still have some needs in, you know, interior linemen, but that's usually something that you can get in free agency and not something that you'll draft really highly for tackles and, and cornerbacks. Uh, that was exactly where I thought they should spend their first two picks. And they ended up getting two guys that I thought would go in the first round with those picks. And then that 30 second, that 30 second overall pick that they got from Chicago for uh, Chase Claypool ended up becoming Joey Porter Jr., which is, like you said, a great story and also a cornerback who I think will make an impact. He's going to play alongside uh, veteran Patrick Peterson that they picked up in free agency. So, uh, or at least will, you know, hopefully get some some mentorship by a veteran corner. So I'm very excited about it. And Mike Tomlin called Omar Khan a con artist this weekend for all of his kind of nifty trades and signings, which I also enjoyed the work. Yeah, of, yeah so. there were there were three uh, GMs that were first time had the draft. He was one of them. Yeah. Um, so so and a lot of a lot of young younger GMs out there as well. That's why we had 43 trades, which was the most ever 
uh, on for the draft. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of moving and shaking uh, that was out there. Yeah, you know Joey Porter, I do like, and a lot of people wondered why he fell to the second round. The one thing I'll say, he can be—he's very aggressive, and he can yeah. be very handsy. And when he does that, he can lose a guy and give up a big play. Um, so that obviously, we'll, we'll see what the coaching obviously can do there uh, to help him out. But and as far as the two tight ends, listen, I get it. Look what Buffalo did. Buffalo has Knox, a really good tight end, and they go and get Dalton Kincaid. You know, a, a tight end. So if you have two, now those are good, both kind of catch, pass catching tight ends, but I kind of like the ability to do that and have good tight end because you can get a good tight end mismatch. And Kincaid can run mm-hmm. the middle of the field for Buffalo. So I think I think that can help. Uh, we an can get we we'll get the Steelers like we got the Steelers out of the way. We can talk about the rest of the draft now. So if you fast forwarded through Jess's Steelers Power Hour, what what should we should we talk about the Eagles next, Mike? The team that you have a, a connection with. Because well, they basically just drafted all of Georgia's defense, and and their starting defense is like mostly Georgia players now. The the Philadelphia Eagles now are six percent of their roster is Georgia, <laughs> which is which is amazing. They obviously they drafted. We know about Jalen Carter, uh, who who fell to him at number what they went up to nine to get him, and then Nolan Smith, the edge rusher, and then they got uh, what was it, uh, uh, Keely Ringo. Uh, DB from Georgia as well. And then they traded for DeAndre Swift. Remember, Detroit yeah. drafted Jameer Gibbs, which we can get into. And DeAndre Swift was, uh, Swift was on that team. And they traded Swift to Philadelphia, who was also a Georgia alum. They're the first team in the modern draft to draft five defensive players from the same school in a two-year span. I mean, it, it, and Howie Roseman's a Florida guy. He went to Florida. <laughs> So he's like, it probably have a hard does time. break his heart. Yeah. yeah. Going to have a hard time explaining that one um, yeah. uh, to, to where that goes for sure. I thought, I thought I heard Bill Barnwell break it down really well on the ESPN daily. How now that they're going to be paying Jalen hurts, you know, 50 million more a year because of his new contract, Howie Roseman's really looking into the future at who they won't be able to keep around for their second contracts or to resign to these bigger deals. So he's drafting a couple years ahead and, when you're looking for filling these gaps, I mean, you don't have to look any further than all of the, I, I, I want to say all, but so many of the top players projected in their position groups came out of this Georgia defense. It's kind of like what we saw with Clemson, maybe like three or four years ago where you were having right. like four Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence and Clellan Farrell uh, getting all drafted in the first round. Like when you have the best defense in college football, your guys are going to get drafted really high up. And it's, it is funny to see them all being accumulated by one team I thought Houston had a great draft uh you know all that talk about oh they're they're thinking about not taking a quarterback that just goes to to prove that all the lying and bs that goes on right before a draft to to think (laughs) that they weren't going to take a quarterback was asinine quite honestly because they have a lot of holes to fill but they need a quarterback so they get CJ Stroud and then they pull off the trade of being three and getting back-to-back picks of getting C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson as well. Um, so I, I thought very impressive there. I thought Arizona made a couple of nice moves. They end up getting the tackle at six in Paris Johnson for, to protect uh, Kyler Murray uh, as well. But I like what Houston did because as far as we thought four quarterbacks going in the first round, only three went. And then Hendon Hooker went as well in the second round. Uh, so five quarterbacks, but only two are going to start right out of the gate, Jess. C.J. Yeah. Stroud and and Bryce Young, I would imagine, are just going to be inserted as your starting quarterback. I, I 
I would yeah. do that if I were Carolina and I were Houston. Just put him in there. Anthony Richardson, you got Gardner Minshew out there. Richardson, only 13 starts or 12 starts in college. You may want to bring him along a little bit. And Levis, I don't think you're going to put, you know, right in there and start. You have Tannehill in, in Tennessee. You have Malik Willis, uh, who they have as well. So I think two will be inserted right away, and the other two, along with Hendon Hooker, will be kind of on the back burners a little bit. Well, what do you make of C.J. Stroud now? He, Like you said, he'll be starting, although I think there's some concerns that like he's going to need time to develop in that role because of the way he played at Ohio State this past season. He didn't play his best game every week, right? Like The, the game we saw against Georgia in the playoffs wasn't necessarily uh, the same player that was, was playing week in and week out, um, right. but he's certainly extremely talented. And Houston is a team that needs more than just a quarterback to plug in and play and needs more than just a Will Anderson to plug in and play. And they gave up, I I think, a lot to get Will Anderson, right, to trade up for him. So, I mean, what do you make of that in terms of how they're going to be able to now construct a roster looking a couple years into the future when they probably would be more hopeful uh, to be a playoff team? Because I, I don't think there's a playoff team right now. No, no, I don't think they're a playoff team either. They, they have too many holes to fill. Yeah. I think C.J. Stroud gets inserted right away into the lineup. I, I had him as my top quarterback. I had him just a hair over Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. Maybe size had something to do with that, more, more, more durability maybe than anything else because I, I think they're both going to be excellent quarterbacks. There's no slight on Bryce Young. I love him as well. Yeah, of course. But you, you kind of have to make a decision, Jess, on if you have a lot of holes to fill – do you start trading back to get quantity or where's your line of we want quality instead mm-hmm. or do you try and get both? A lot of times when you try and get both, it can be difficult to do. Well, they went with quality, right? Yeah. In getting pick number two and number three to take care of what you hope to be your quarterback for the next decade and to be the linchpin on your defense and Will Anderson as that edge rusher. So you hope to, to solidify those two cornerstones of both sides of the ball but you absolutely give up assets to put yourself in that position yeah. to fill other holes, which you have to do some uh, in free agency. But I, I like their draft. I liked Seattle's draft uh, of getting Witherspoon, the cornerback, and then they started the four in a row of wide receivers at pick number 20 when they took uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba mm-hmm. from Ohio State. So I like what they did as well. And you think about it, I think Seattle – is going to be battling with San Francisco. I don't think the Cardinals are good enough yet, and the Rams are still kind of rebuilding off that Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So I think Seattle, I think San Francisco has the most talent in that division, but they don't have a quarterback right now. They're all mm-hmm. on the shelf, right? And, well, they brought and in think- Sam Darnold, who wasn't injured, but Brock Purdy's coming off, you know, the, the, the elbow surgery. Uh, and Trey Lance, we have no idea what he is, and he's coming off an injury as well. So or if he'll get traded, issues. yeah, 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 yeah. And exactly and right. it seemed like uh, Arizona kind of decided we're not going to do what Houston's doing right now. They're they have an entirely new front office staff, I believe, coming into this this current season. So they traded a lot and kind of didn't make those big splashy picks. But um, yeah, it, it's sorry. There is a fly that has been flying around my face for the last five minutes. If you, Isn't it amazing? If and you can I'm never get it. it. You can never no. get it, right? No. God. And it just always bugs you. I'm sorry Good to hear one. that. Sorry yeah. to hear that. I get that. You see, I, yeah, I'm glad that funny. didn't go over your head. All right. So one thing we talk about all the time with a draft is, as I said, whenever the draft is over, everybody got the person they wanted. Everybody got right. The, Everyone, their guy was always <laughs> except there. Except maybe Detroit 
the Detroit well, Lions. I. <laughs> so here's where we're going to go. That's okay. what's coming up next is questionable calls on maybe picks that weren't, you know, the best in the world. Yeah. And also a few draft notes. I always love overall draft notes on conferences and players as well. All right, Jess, so not every pick, while the team feels they got the right person, we as analysts sometimes aren't so sure. And there were two picks to me, and and I love the players. So I want to say that first. I love the players, but I don't know about the fit. Or I thought they had other needs that would supersede Mm -hmm. taking them. And that Mm -hmm. would be uh, the Detroit Lions at 12 and the Atlanta Falcons at 8. Atlanta – Picking Bijan Robinson, who I think is the most complete back in this draft. I love him running the ball, catching mm-hmm. the ball. But you have Algiers in the backfield. Cordell Patterson runs the ball as well there. I thought they had defensive needs. And listen, at that spot, at eight, you could still get a hell of a defensive player. So that yeah. one surprised me a little bit. Obviously, they love the pick because they had other choices, but they went with them. But that's the first one that surprised me a little bit. Well, for sure. I mean, they're gonna have to. He he was drafted. What was their what was the overall pick that they had for Robinson? It was ten. Oh, like like t- if if the I had thought if Jalen Carter hadn't fallen to ten, I thought Bajon Robinson would be there, and I thought the Eagles yeah. would have taken him, kind of as a luxury pick. I I don't under un- understand uh, the Falcons pick on this. I really don't. I, well, they're gonna have to pay him a lot of money, and and I. They haven't been doing that really with running backs lately, right? Like you said, they have a, a backfield that is kind of like older, more veteran players. They don't have like a, a flashy uh, high draft pick position player there. So I agree with you. It was kind of confusing, just not what I was expecting from them to do with their pick. But then, I mean, I thought like it was a, it was weird because the Lions had uh, taken Gibbs really high and I know that like there was a lot of of chatter going into this draft about Gibbs and Robinson because running backs are are players that you can get in free agency players you can trade for players you can get in like the third fourth fifth round of the draft and they can make an impact that you don't need to use like a top 10 pick for and then both of these teams did that although like you said they're both really good players like I thought I I agree with you Bijan Robinson is incredible i mean watching him play at texas he he looked like a guy that you would want on your nfl team and it's just surprising though because when you see those players go that high on teams that need players on either side of the ball in the in the offensive line or defensive line it's kind of like okay like you, you could have maybe gotten them later and still gotten the interior lineman or whatever that you need up up there yeah, I, I thought there were other players on the defensive side of the ball that they should have got. They were third in the league in rushing last year. Now, take out Marcus Mariota's rushing yardage because he's no longer with the team. They still would have been in the top 10. So that one surprised me. And then after being surprised at pick eight, it didn't take long to be surprised again. Four more picks at pick 12. The Detroit Lions taking Jameer Gibbs, who was a fringe first rounder. Again, I like the player. Running mm-hmm. the ball, catches the ball extremely well out of the backfield. But you had DeAndre Swift there as well. Your running attack was, was decent. It was, you know, um, and I thought they had other needs. Their defense was awful last mm-hmm. year. So yeah. I thought they were going to pick up some defensive players, which they did actually then on pick 18. 
They went with Jack Campbell. Right. Now, I covered Campbell <laughs> in college, a linebacker, big linebacker from Iowa, downhill guy, can really put a, a, a hit on you. But I didn't think he was an 18 pick. Now, again, with all this, we'll see in a couple of years, but I thought they could have got him later as yeah. well, as well as Jameer and then a, Gibbs And then later. A, a tight end, Mike. Like, these are the three positions that it's it's rare for a team to, like, want all three of those positions with their first three picks in the draft, right? Like, it's unusual. Um, like you said, Brian Branch was the the first, you know, DB that they picked up in, in the second round with pick 45, the first non-tight end linebacker running back pick that they made. Um, and then they got Hendon Hooker, who, again, like, I loved watching Hendon Hooker. He's, he's not going to be able to play. He no. won't play. And they have Jared Goff, so he doesn't have to play. But he is an older quarterback who generally NFL teams kind of shy away from. Getting him in the third round, it's not like they really, you know, gave up a lot to get him or anything like that. But when they had already made all of these selections before, it then is like, okay, so now you're getting, you know, a 25-year-old quarterback that isn't going to play this year. When you have all these needs this year on this roster right now. It, it was a very strange draft, I thought. I, I agree. When they, when they needed so much help on defense, you mentioned the tight end. It was Sam Laporta, uh, the kid from Iowa. So they took Iowa players back-to-back in Campbell and then Laporta. Again, I love the Brian Branch pick. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Brian Branch mm-hmm. as a safety, or he can cover the, cover the slot, be a nickel. He, can, he supports the run uh, pretty well. And then Hendon Hooker, the next defensive player they took, was a defensive tackle uh, in the third round. Uh, I, I'm a, I, I got to say, Jess, I'm a fan – of, of Hendon Hooker. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. Now, Jared Goff had kind of a resurgence last year, and you're right, Hendon Hooker is not going to be ready to go just yet, so we'll see uh, where that one goes. But I, I would say yeah. Detroit had the biggest kind of issue, I thought, or or I guess head-scratchers. Strategy. I would yeah, say, like, yeah. confusing overall draft strategy given what we knew they needed going into the draft and what they ended up drafting. Yeah, yeah. Still a head scratcher to me, but again, you see they show the war rooms after every pick, and they're all high five oh, and yeah. handshaking and they're everything, thrilled. and you know that they're they're all loving it. So, a couple of notes uh, off the draft before we move on. I mentioned earlier, forty three trades at the draft record. Last year there was one quarterback taken in the first seventy three picks. This year, twelve were taken in the first five rounds, most in the common draft era. Of those five quarterbacks, of those quarterbacks, five were from the SEC matching the 1971 draft for SEC quarterbacks. Overall, 14 quarterbacks taken. The record was 17 quarterbacks in 04. And next year, we're already talking about May, the kid May from North Carolina, Drake and May. Williams, yeah. the Drake May and Caleb, Caleb Williams. Williams from USC. And they're saying that will be a better quarterback class than this year, when all they did the year before was talk right. about how awful the quarterback situation yes. was, and only one guy, Kenny Pickett, went and wait till Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and these guys get to the league. The first thing you do, they do, Jess, is rip that one and go to oh, the yeah. next year's and say, oh, it's going to be so much better. Every single year, I your your son, Gojo, tweeted this the other day because I some some NFL account you know posted like next year's draft class is going to be an all timer, and he's he tweeted like I I love that this happens after we've just ground this year's draft class into a fine yes. powder, which is so spot on. We just like take from January until April saying every single player's flaws and then yep. are like, but Caleb Williams is going to be, and I guarantee you this time next year, 
there will be so many question marks about Caleb Williams, about Drake May, about Sam Hartman, who will probably be in, in the draft. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's fascinating to see. All I have to say is why couldn't Caleb Williams, was it either a groin or a hammy that he pulled in the bowl game? Why couldn't he have done that against Notre, against Notre Dame in the last <laughs> game of the season? You know, Again, oh, I, I'm not wishing injury. It's nothing that really deterred him. Obviously, he missed some time. So I'm not asking for a major injury. I would never do that, ever. At least maybe not. Uh, Ten players drafted uh, each by Georgia and Alabama, tied for the most in this draft. Nine tight ends were taken in the first two days, most in the first three rounds since 1967. The SEC led all conferences with 31 selections in the first three rounds. The Big Ten led with 20 picks in the first two rounds, the most ever the Big Ten has had in the first two rounds. And by the way, your Pittsburgh Steelers drafted four Big Ten defenders in their first six picks. So they went down the Big Ten road as yeah. well. I always like a few notes. The one I, I will end on um, as far as notes is the story in Dallas I thought was pretty cool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Vaughn and Deuce Vaughn. Chris Vaughn, the dad who was a college scout for the Cowboys. Deuce Vaughn is a running back for Kansas State. So the seventh round, and, and by the way, in, in the draft prep, Whenever the, they were talking about potentials, whenever Deuce Vaughn's name came up, Chris Vaughn, his dad, left the room. He did not want to, you know, influence, you know, the team or anything. I would, what... I would stay and influence the team. Yeah, if, yeah. Well, if he, I loved my son, just I, saying. I, yeah. <laughs> well, he left. He left the room. Let them talk about it, and because he was a college scout, so that would be right, right in his, right in his lane. So it came down to the to the last the seventh their seventh round pick, and he had left the room. Did Chris Vaughn to start talking about the undrafted free agents they were going to go after, and when he was out of the room, they had decided in the room that they were going to take Deuce Vaughn with their seventh round selection, and the dad didn't know that yet. And when Chris Vaughn came back in the draft room, Jerry Jones was openly talking about who they were going to select, and he was mentioning other names and not Deuce, even though they had already decided they were kind of building the moment. And then sure enough, that was going to be the call. They had Chris Vaughn call his son and the classic line, how would you like to go to work with me every day? I mean, such a very... like, can someone else draft me, please, Dad? Yeah, how I got to hang out with Dad now. But I mean, oh, what, what a cool moment. Even I know, Jerry, it was very cool. Even Jerry Jones said, he's been, I've been doing drafts for 30 years, and... Very few times, or maybe never, do I get a little tear in my eye. It was a very cool moment uh, for for the father and son. And let's see, he's a seventh rounder. We'll see uh, what he can do. Yeah. But hopefully, he he's can a, make he's it. a small guy. He's only like I think five five. Or five five. five six. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Uh, he's, Dar- reminds me of Darren Sproles. Uh, yeah, reminds me of me because I'm five five. So, yeah, I could see you in a in yeah. a in a NFL in a Cowboys uniform. uniform. How, how that would work. <laughs> All right, the draft, the draft is behind us. The playoffs in NBA and hockey are in front of us. We'll do a quick little overview on that. Mike, we've talked about how exciting the Stanley Cup playoffs are, specifically overtime in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But we have yes. not talked about specifically Game 7s in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which there was an incredible Game 7 between the Bruins and the Panthers on Sunday did you watch any of this game, and were you shocked when the Bruins lost after they won the President's Trophy this regular season? I, I love uh, hockey. Um, unfortunately, when I, most of my time at ESPN, we had given up. We, we didn't bring bring them back. They weren't with us at ESPN. Now they are back there, so they're 
they're out there a little more. When they were gone, they were harder to find. I love hockey. Unfortunately, when you talked hockey on radio, it didn't do great for the ratings, which bummed me out because <laughs> I love – it just didn't. You know, I'm just – that's just the way it was. But I loved yeah. hockey. I watched hockey. When I was out here in the mid-'90s working at local radio, we had tickets to the Coyote games I would take the, uh, the kids to. Uh, I, I loved it. And there is nothing more exciting than playoff overtime hockey to where you are just playing. You're playing 20-minute periods just like the regular game, and you're playing as many as you have to to get a win. So I, I think that is awesome. And so now we have the Boston Bruins who set a regular season record, as you mentioned, run the President's Trophy, and then go lose to the Panthers in the first round of one, losing to an eight, which is un, unreal. But also the President's Trophy winning the Stanley Cup is not – I think it's happened six times in 38 tries of the President's Trophy. Yeah, so, I, think, I think the curse is real. I think definitively – you don't want to win the President's Cup. If you're a hockey team that has, you know, maybe you have 10 games left and there's another team with 10 games left and you guys have the same amount of wins, maybe drop a couple of them. You, maybe, you, you call and say dumping the games? Maybe dump a couple games. You don't want to win that President's Trophy. No one wants to win that President's Trophy. Don't do it. I think don't every, every year if you're going to do it, players have the confidence that says we're, we're going to be able to win it. We're that good. You know, and, and Boston felt that way. And how way. has that and worked out? That has not worked I, I know out well for them. Bo Boston fans already were already planning the parade. They were like, "This is we won the President's Trophy and we're the best team in the league. And there's it's a no-brainer. Didn't even make it out of the first round. That and, is insane. And Boston fans should be planning parades because they've been doing it for years between the Bruins, the Celtics, <laughs> and, the, and the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, they've been doing Red Sox uh, back. Uh, a Bad few weekend years. for for Boston fans though, because then the Celtics yes. lost at home to the 76ers in the second round of the NBA playoffs. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe a little bad luck streak for Boston yeah. is in tow. That wouldn't be the worst thing. Yeah, yeah. But the hockey, so we're getting ready As to go into the second round. The Kraken beat Colorado, which was last year's Stanley Cup winners. The Kraken are the first expansion team uh, to knock off a defending champ or the reigning champ. That, that what they did to Colorado. So. I, I like seeing that. I just love the crack, and I love that name. I think it's just awesome. Me too. I, their branding, like everything about them, is great. And they're and like they're a brand new team, and I could probably tell you zero facts about them. But a, so, Seattle Kraken just sounds great. I, it's just phenomenal. I have a Kraken shirt. That's the first thing I bought. <laughs> I think it's phenomenal. Maybe I should jump on the Kraken bandwagon. Do it. Do it. So, failure or just disappointment? Bucks losing a one eight to Miami, and Bruins losing a one eight. Uh, to the Panthers disappointment well, I, or failure I think the season's a failure for both teams right and you heard Giannis's post-game press conference that has already been discussed you know ad nauseum for days on sports talk radio but undoubtedly if your team's very good in the regular season and you can't make it out of the first round something has gone wrong that is a failure I think it's disappointing when you're you know say the, the Florida Panthers and if they were to lose in the second round like that's disappointment but you know being the one seed losing to the eight seed which so rarely ever happens like that just is complete failure to me so now <laughs> going forward uh, what what will happen I wonder with the uh, with the Panthers um, you know it, as far as them they, they, they get that win so I, I, they're the last eight seed to beat or to win the Stanley Cup, I think it was in 2012 or 13, it was the LA Kings as an AC doing that. So I wonder, 
you know, where, where the Panthers will go as they go forward. They play Toronto in the next round. So we'll see. Devils blanked New York in a game seven for zip. As I mentioned, Kraken won game seven over Colorado. So we're getting the second round going there. You know, quickly in the NBA, I mean, the story, it seems like the Suns are in a lot of trouble, right? Down 2-0 now to the Nuggets, who don't seem to be getting any credit at all for being the top seed. Uh, in the West, the big one was the 76ers winning game one in Boston without Joel Embiid, still out mm-hmm. with the knee, and they win on a, on a bad turnover, coming toward with about 28 seconds to go in the game. Just an errant pass goes to Tyrese Maxey, who just lays it in to give him a point lead uh, with 20-some seconds to go, and Philadelphia pulls that win off. I mean, what, what, a, what a monster win. Like you said, bad timing in that arena for Boston between the hockey – uh, and, and the basketball and what went on. Yeah, well, the, the main thing that we've been talking about here in Miami is, of course, the Heat-Knicks series, Mike. So that's really where all of my focus and attention has been. As someone who's on the Dan Levitard show with the loudest Miami Heat fans in the world, and not like the best Miami Heat fans in the world, but the loudest, uh, and then, you know, dating a Knicks fan, it's been tough here. It's been tough here. The, the Knicks didn't look very good in game one. The Heat won on the road. Um, now they're coming, uh, they have one more game in New York, then they're coming back down here to Miami. So really that's, that's been where all my focus and attention is at. Um, I hope the Knicks can at least win. A couple well, games, I mean, though. listen, they did it again without Jimmy Butler. And the question is with the sprained ankles, you Butler will want to play in game two, but do you yeah. play him or do you just, because there's a big rest. They play, what is it? Tuesday night. And then they don't play again until Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. So think of the rest Jimmy Butler could get by doing that if he would do that. And you wonder if the 76ers might do the same thing with Joel Embiid, who has a knee sprain. You at least have the split in Boston, so you have home court. Do you just skip the second game as well? He may not be able to play it in any way. I don't know. And just mm-hmm. wait till the, and get more time to rest that knee. We'll see. And I think the Suns are done. Chris Paul pulls a groin in this one. Who knows how much time he'll miss there. They missed mm-hmm. their first or nine shots in the fourth quarter and lose uh, lose to Denver. So we'll see. But the other big big matchup going on now is obviously going to be the Lakers and Golden State. The sixth time in the postseason, I think LeBron and uh, Steph have matched up. It was four in a row from, I think, 15 through 18. Golden State and Cleveland matched up in the finals, of which Golden State won three of those. The one thing I don't agree with, Jess, is people saying, oh, we got to watch this one. It could be the last time Steph and LeBron meet in the playoffs. I don't know why we think that. LeBron right. is going to be around until Bronny's in the league. And it's Steph's, like, yeah. And it's Steph's 35. Like seeing, so. It's like the Rolling Stones. Oh, we have to go. It's their last concert. And it's like, no, Keith Richards is actually immortal. So they're probably going to keep playing for another 10 years. I agree hey, Exactly. You. So I, I don't think this will be the last matchup, but it'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, for sure, we have plenty of time to break that one down, which we will. Uh, but I also want so to wait, get. So wait, you said that before before we go. You said that they've played LeBron and Steph have played four times in the NBA playoffs. I think Steph leads this leads the series three to one. Well, he does. So. It was they played fifteen to nineteen in the finals each year. Cleveland against Golden State, of which Golden State won three of those. Um, so yeah, it, it is and. and Golden State's playing well right now. As a matter of fact, going into the second round, it was actually the Celtics who were the favorites to win it all, and then Golden State was mm-hmm. second. So we are the Celtics already dropped one. So we'll see what the Celtics uh, do here. And again, is there the disrespect for Denver? 
you know, and where they're going to be. They, they could end this series pretty quickly now. It goes mm -hmm. back to Phoenix maybe without Chris Paul, so we'll see. Uh, but coming up, we're finally back with some F1. So I'm excited to talk about that. And also, not so excited, a little sad to talk about one of the greats that has passed away. That's coming up. All right, Jess, F1 is finally back in Azerbaijan. Did I say it right? Oh, so close. What is it? Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. Oh, go it. Was on close. It, it so was close. So first and foremost, before we get to the racing, is Fernando Alonso dating Taylor Swift? I don't know, Mike. I haven't seen any definitive evidence, but that is the rumor that is swirling right now among Formula One fans and Swifties. Interesting because she's on she's on tour and right. he obviously is is right in the in the you know going on. Also kind of on season. tour, yeah. Exactly. So I don't know when they would be able to spend any time together. Right. When they met because she didn't break up too long ago with her boyfriend. So I find it yes. hard to believe after she broke up with her boyfriend, she somehow met Fernando Alonso and they were able to start dating when they were both clearly in their season. So I'm yeah. not real sure about that one. And full disclosure, I'm not a, a Swifty, as we've talked about with Gojo before. I am, I'm kind of a fan from afar, but I am a big Formula One fan. So I've been all over the Formula One side of it and not really sure what her fans are saying. Um, but Fernando Alonso kind of like played into it a little bit uh, during media, during the Azerbaijan Grand Prix weekend. So, you know, we're all having fun with the rumors out here. Always good with those rumors. Always enjoy that. And before we get to the actual race itself... We were talking about the, the sprint series that they are using as well, talking about even increasing some of that during the week of qualifying and the sprint races, and they're still kind of tinkering. What do you use it for? How are there going to be points? Does it have anything to do with the, the lineup on the grid? They're still kind of working through all that. But the one guy that hates it is Max Verstappen. He says, mm -hmm. scrap the whole thing. They're talking about increasing the sprint races. He's talking about scrapping the whole thing. Basically, is it because George Russell ran him off the road? Uh, and, and supposedly, well, that's what Max said anyway. Yeah. He is not happy with the sprint series at all. Yeah, I, Max was not happy with George Russell, like you said, kind of pushing him wide during the sprint race um, and had some very choice words for him after the race, which people can Google because I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it on the show. But Yeah, it, it he definitely was, went somewhere, yeah. With he that. was not happy, but I think there's a lot of drivers and team principals who, and even fans who are not completely sold on the sprint idea. I think they're doing it six times this season. And as I explained to you last week, it's a little confusing. It's yes. a lot to have to remember. There's qualifying for the Sunday race. There's qualifying for the sprint race. There's not as much time to practice and kind of get the car set up on each track now on Fridays um, because you're qualifying for Sunday. And, and also qualifying on Friday means a lot of fans can't watch qualifying in certain right. parts of the world because, you know, some of us have to go to work. We can't be glued to ESPN. Some of us do glued themselves to ESPN for work, which is nice. But um, it's it's definitely kind of controversial. But, you know, Formula One wants to have really high stakes on Saturdays and Sundays. And they think that by doing sprint races, which is a format that I don't think it's proven to fans makes right. for a more exciting race on Sunday. I actually don't think it really does anything for Sunday's race other than maybe would disqualify someone if they get in a bad accident or something like that. Um, but they've decided that that's what they want to try. And so they tried it a different way this weekend. I 
I mean, the race was pretty boring. It was not an yeah. exciting race on Sunday. And the sprint, other than Max and George Russell having a little bit of a, you know, contact and then an, a verbal altercation afterwards, really kind of a dud. But there's a lot of reasons for it. It's not because of the sprint race. There's also questions about the type of track that they're racing on and all sorts of things. But yeah, it's it was, you know, coming back after four weeks to that, a little underwhelming, I think. Yeah. I, I agree. It does nothing for the Sunday race. They're just trying to give the fans something more to watch instead of just yeah. qualifying. Sell more tickets, right? Yeah, Get yeah. more people to watch on Saturdays. To watch some races. About. So as far as the weekend went, and especially the race on Sunday, to start it out, I want to do this because I, I love your 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 F1 Minute on Dan show, on Dan Lebetard show. So when, when you do that, and last year you did one, was it in French? It was in it. French, yeah. That was very impressive. This one is not in French, but this is Jess' just F1 Minute. This is going to be a good one. I don't think you guys are ready. After a blank space on the calendar, Formula One is back in Azerbaijan. Despite its reputation for tight corners and narrow roads, F1 is putting a sprint race in Baku. On Saturday, Charles Leclerc is fearless in pole position as the sprint begins. But at the start, London boy George Russell delivers some karma to Max Verstappen, making him a move to push him wide. Max is red, but George says, don't blame me. Number 22, Yuki Tsunoda, clips the wall and loses a tire after just two laps. At the restart, Sergio Perez has a lead with five laps left. It's time to go. Checo wins the sprint race, but Max and George have bad blood when the race ends. You guys see what I'm doing yet? Will there be vigilante shit on, on Sunday? This Max, is amazing. you need to calm down because it's lights out away we go in Baku. Sparks fly, and Verstappen is driving like he's in a getaway car and pulls out into the lead. Long story short, Nick DeVries has a glitch, and a safety car ensues. Perez is in the lead after a slew of pit stops, but he's not out of the woods yet. The one driver, Max Verstappen, has speed, but that's when Sergio Perez says, bye-bye, baby, as the race ends. Esteban Ocan goes into the pit, but the mastermind race organizers have let press onto the treacherous pit lane. That's why we can't have nice... This is why we can't have nice things. Seven-time champion Lewis Hamilton finishes in sixth. The last great American dynasty, Haas, finishes out of the points. But today was a fairy tale for Sergio Perez. Verstappen finishes in second, which is better than revenge. One-two for Red Bull is nothing new. They don't have champagne problems on the podium. But the anti-hero Max Verstappen is only ahead in the Drivers' Championship by six points. Fernando Alonso and Taylor Swift rumors are swirling. Long live Formula One. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. I love London boy George Russell. <laughs> I know. I, I posted this on TikTok and so many people were like, he's not from London. And I'm like, don't, just, doesn't just, matter. Yeah, he's, never let the truth get every, in the way of a good, a good flow. When you live yeah. in America, anyone from the UK is from London, right? Yeah, like we, know, exactly we don't know right. other cities in the UK. We're stupid. Completely agree. So you mentioned Perez, Verstappen, one, two, Leclerc's third. Uh, um, Taylor Swift's boyfriend, Fernando Alonso, is fourth. <laughs> In fact, that is true. Uh, so where do they go next? What, what's next? Miami, Mike. Oh, They're that's right. Down here in Miami. That's right. So that, that's, this is a Jess Matana-like special, right? You're going to be everywhere, aren't you? No, I'm not. I'm going to a wedding this weekend. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Who puts a wedding on an F1 weekend? <sighs> we talk about this all the time in the fall, right? Why have a fall wedding weekend? Right, but right. you you can't blame people for having a May wedding weekend. I know, I'm just kidding. It's, yeah, but you're not because I'm also sad, so it's fine. Oh, <laughs> that is a bummer, boy. There is no other city in this country where where people just go somewhere to be seen than Miami. That's for sure. So what a what a spectacle I'm, that's. I'm be. devastated, Mike. Oh, I bet you are. I bet you are. Well, we'll look forward to your your minute next week as well because i'm sure you'll still do one even if you have to make it up i'll still do one i hope it's a good race last year miami was kind of you know it was eh, 
excitement wise. So. I did in the sprint though. Wh whose car was it? I, I remember seeing the highlight of the tire just bouncing down the track. <laughs> Yuki Sonoda, yeah, yeah, just well, rolling. That's the other thing with the sprint race being in Baku. Baku is a street circuit, and the walls right. are really close. The roads are super narrow, and there were a lot of you know teams that were concerned that something like that would happen. Luckily, nothing too bad happened. But if your circuit needs a crash to make it an interesting race, it's probably not that good of a racing circuit because you know guys are just not passing each other on on that circuit. So they're not, yeah. and that's when the, it's like Monaco. You know, the, the race gets yeah. a little boring when you don't see a lot of passing. I completely agree, and it's all about you know where are you on the grid to start the race. Uh, so I, I I agree with that. I don't know what they're ever going to do to 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 change that. It's just mainly courses and how they run. So. Uh, obviously something to, to keep an eye on, but I still love watching it. We'll see where the sprint races go. Jess, I want to finish today. It, it's a bit of a sad note, but it's, a, it's also a way to, to honor a guy and, and his career. Uh, and that's Gordon Lightfoot. And I know you don't know a lot about him. People your age don't. Luckily, Sydney does because I had a healthy dose. Again, my daughter, Sydney, is Jess's age. They graduated together at Notre Dame. And in driving Sydney to any of her practices growing up, I always had 70s music on, and she is renownedly talented at knowing 70s music. And this guy she knows, Gordon Lightfoot, Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, If You Could Read My Mind, Sundown, Carefree Highway. Uh, so many great songs. Uh, Canadian singer who is 84 years old. I saw him in concert in 2013 and 2011. This guy was still doing concerts up to this year, Jess. Me and Chris, my wife, were supposed to go to a concert in Arizona here April 16th. That's not long ago, and it got postponed, and we thought, uh-oh, you know, this may not be good, and unfortunately, uh, uh -huh. he, he did pass away. 84 years old, but that man has been uh, on the stage since the 60s. Just an incredible songwriter. If you don't know him, I would say just Google him, listen to some of those songs, Jess, it's one of he's one he's a great storyteller in songs. You can just kind of sit back and listen to the story he's telling, and he's got such a smooth voice. Rest in peace, Gordon Lightfoot, man. You're a great one, no doubt about it. Well, rest in peace, and Mike, I'll see you next week.